On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Oh, it's exciting. Um, as Australian cricketers, we always want to play the, play against the best best players in the world, and, and KG is uh, the number one bowler in the world. So it's uh, going to be another great challenge for for all, all the batters and all, all of us. Seeing we have to bat, but uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, another challenge. And the ICC has made their decision, and we respect them. That's that's their job. So we've we've got no dramas with it. Uh, as I said, I respect the ICC's uh, decisions. Not not here for me to sit here and say it's a right one or a wrong one. I respect it. Um, let's just move on and just go play some good cricket. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Mensel, a.k.a. Menners. And that was Nathan Lyon speaking after the decision was made to downgrade Kagizo Rabada's charge coming out of the second test and therefore he's now available to play in the final two tests of this series. As usual, we've got a big show for you this week. Coming up, I've got the new Sydney Thunder coach Shane Bond and then Queensland and former Australian opening batsman Joe Burns. But all the news is happening in South Africa and I've got on the line from Cape Town, Ben Horn. Ben, how are you? Hey, Menace. Yeah, it's all happening here and uh, quite a stunning result with Rabada being cleared. Can't believe it. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. What, what does this mean, broadly speaking, for this whole demerit point system and how, how did he get off? He's got off because the New Zealand QC, Michael Heron, has accepted that it wasn't a deliberate shoulder bump. Um, he's still been charged, he's been basically charged with a different offence to what he originally was. So he's found that it wasn't deliberate and therefore he, he's thrown out that charge and instead given him one that's a, a grade one spirit of cricket type thing. So that's how he's got off. Um, I suppose it is subjective as to whether it's deliberate, but I would argue that he deliberately put himself in a position where uh, this was a pretty uh, likely outcome of happening, and he's a repeat offender. I mean, he's got such a shocking record that as much as you want to see Rabada play, and, and this is a good result for the Test match, I mean, it's really going to liven things up um, for, for day one here. But, um, yeah, in terms of what cricket stands for, I think it's it's dangerous areas because, um, guess what, cricket's not a contact sport. Yeah, and... I think as well it might open the floodgates for more of these appeals in the future with these, you know, when an IC, the match referee makes a decision, I think that more boards around the world are going to be happy to challenge them more, which is, I guess, not a great thing. That's true. That's true. I mean, very rarely do, do players get off on appeal. It hasn't happened very many times, I don't think, since the monkey gate fiasco. Um, but South Africa, I suppose, have shown a willingness time and time again to to appeal and um, you know the the squeaky wheels got the oil you know they they obviously mounted a compelling case their lawyer um, who's a high profile uh, figure over here in South Africa Dali Mapofu uh, he he was in the hearing for six hours yesterday so 
I mean, that's that's. I mean, I, I don't know how it went for that long, but you know, they've they've tried and tried, and you know, I suppose it's hard to knock South Africa. I mean, they're entitled to appeal if they want to, but I think the ICC have definitely um, put themselves in a tough position. And the person that you should feel for in this, I think, is Jeff Crow, the match referee, who's got a very good reputation. And they've essentially trampled all over it with this decision because they've basically said that his his judgment on it was completely wrong. Yeah, I, I'm stunned that it went this way. I just could not see it happening. And it's it's kind of left a nasty taste in my mouth the way it's all unfolded. Um, I'll ask Faf for a minute next time I see him. But it does completely change the dynamic of the rest of the series now. I mean, you could argue that this makes South Africa favourites. Well, definitely. I mean, it is one all, and Rabada was there in the first test, and Australia won. So, but I think just the momentum that South Africa will gain from this is quite immense, and he was obviously excellent in the last test match, took 11 wickets. So, it's not so much that they're, you know, that they can't be defeated with him there, but if you, if you had Rabada ruled out of that side, with Mornay Morkel coming in, that's when it takes on a different dynamic. And, you know, I think Australia would have really fancied themselves against that attack. So, yeah, it's Australia can still win the series, but they're now going to have to do it against a side that has the best bowler in the world um, playing and also, you know, um, a lot of momentum behind him. How is it that, though, Robata virtually admitted his guilt after the test match and then it was overturned? That's what mm. I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that. That's an intriguing part of it. Um, South Africa almost seemed to be resigned to losing the case as well and seemingly doing it out of principle. So that part of it's baffling as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's a stunning decision and it'll be interesting to say, see, as, as you say, what impact this has on the ICC's credibility as, as time goes on. Yeah, and... You know, we talked about before the series that, you know, it's always eventful between Australia and South Africa, but could you have imagined what's transpired in the last couple of weeks from the stairwell incident to this to, you know, all building into the third test? I mean, it, you could not get more dramatic. No, no. Um, the one in the test series in India last year is pretty dramatic, but I think this one's probably eclipsed it now. Um, yeah, it's, it is incredible. Let's hope that it gets the finish that, that it deserves because despite having two good test matches so far, there hasn't really been much attention on the cricket. Um, it's all been elsewhere. So it's been an amazing series, but, you know, let's hope it's remembered for ultimately what happens on the field because um, we have the potential for a really epic finish to this series. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the Cape Town test in one minute, but just the last thing, how is it that Philander gets off scot-free for that tweet that he put out because I thought the ICC had clear rules on on that sort of thing well I mean he's argued that he didn't tweet it so I guess that's the that's the obvious um, thing they would have to launch an investigation as to to determine um, whether he did look I mean it was a ridiculous thing to tweet if he did tweet it but I, I tend to sort of lean on the point of view that it's a bit it's just embarrassing for him more than anything I I, I don't I don't see that he needed to be charged for that, but he, he's probably made himself look like a bit of a goose. Yeah, maybe just a rap on the knuckles. But to go after an international captain like that on a social media forum, I don't know. I don't know how he's managed to get through that because I, I think some people will get pulled up for that. But we'll see. Dr- drama, drama, drama. Let's talk about the cricket. Four years ago, Australia won an epic test at Cape Town. David Warner scored twin tons. 
Michael Clark made a memorable century. Number three for Australia was Alex Doolan, who will be playing in the Shield final. And the bowling attack for Australia was Harris, Johnson and Pattinson. So four years later, can the Aussies win again? Uh, it'll be fascinating. I mean, it's been a kind of unnerving gap between the test here, so it could have it could have one or two effects on the Australian team. I reckon they might come out really refreshed. Uh, it's been a long summer, and I guess they've, they've now got a healthy rest under their belt. But also, you you, you wonder whether um, it's too much time off, and you know how, how do they get that intensity up again? So it'll be interesting. Their, their batting needs to improve. That's essentially the the um, you know the, the bottom line, as it usually is with this Australian team. Um, Bowling-wise, they're, they're in good shape, but um, they need someone in the top top six to step up and make 100. Ha- hasn't happened in this series, and they won't win if uh, if they can't get a batsman making a big 100 in the first innings. Yeah. Um, I know Mitchell Stark is under a bit of a fitness cloud. Have you got any word on that? Uh, we're watching him bowl at the moment, actually, as we speak. He's out there you ask him? in the middle uh, having a bowl. So, um, to shout out. I can't yell out to him, but okay. I can... Um, I can tell you that he looks he looks in good nick. So, look, I don't think there's any doubt about him for this test. But um, I suppose it's a concern with two test matches to go. Uh, if he's feeling sore after so much rest in the second test, that there may be some issues with him getting through both matches. But um, at this point, uh, I'd expect Australia will be taking the field uh, as per program. Um, Mitch Marsh has bowled well today as well. So uh, I think you can pencil the all-rounder into play too. Good. Uh, you know, when I think about Mitchell Stark, I don't think he's a great bowler when he's at, say, 90% fitness or pick, you know, when he's not quite at 100%, I don't think he can pull it off as well as, you know, other bowlers I've seen in the past, like McGrath. Well, that's a bad example, because, but other bowlers who can get by with a slight injury, Stark seems to need to be at his sharpest to really succeed. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I think that's probably fair. Um, it, it's hard to know to what extent he is actually injured. I mean, it, it was really just yesterday he didn't bowl. You know, it may have been like merely a precaution that because he hadn't really trained for four days straight, they they didn't want to kind of rush him back in if there was, um, you know, if he had had a, any kind of discomfort. So look, I'm not sure of the scale that he's actually uh, being disadvantaged. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's. He was the difference in the first test. He was the man of the match there. So, you know, I think he can play a pretty key role. This might be more Josh Hazelwood's deck, though. It's a place that Bernard Philander's done extremely well at over his career, exploiting the grass and seeming the ball around. So uh, I think those kind of conditions lend themselves to what Hazelwood can bring. Excellent. And um, and what I mean with Stark was he's kind of an all-or-nothing guy. When he's really on, he's just deadly. But when he's a little bit of an injury or not quite there, he can struggle. But anyway, let's move on. How is um, Nathan Lyon looking? I mean, does this will this pitch sort of break up and turn towards the end? And would Lyon come into it then, or is it a bit too early to tell? Um, possibly a bit too early, but I think spinners do play a role here usually. I mean, there's been teams that play two spinners here at Newland, so I think... I think he probably will come into this match later on. Um, it'll keep pretty low and slow, I think. So I think, you know, I think Lyon will be key here. And uh, he's, I haven't done the exact maths on it, but he's pretty close to 300 test wickets. So it could be a real big match for him. He's played in two very memorable matches in Cape Town already. He was part of the 47 all out one in 2011 and then 2014 when Australia won in with about two overs left in the in the match to win the series. So uh, it's a pretty famous 
place, good and bad for Australian cricket. So, um, you know, hopefully this match has the makings of another classic. Yeah, I know Cameron Bancroft spoke yesterday. Um, I guess, what did he have to say? And, you know, I guess questions about his form were asked. How did he respond? He, I guess, you know, the focus was a bit more probably on Rabada and, and uh, Philander, which we touched on earlier. Um, look, he's in an interesting position, I think, Bancroft. I mean, he took a bit of pressure off himself in the first test when he made that half century in the second innings. I mean, that showed a bit, a bit of gumption, but I still think he's got a lot to prove. And uh, if he doesn't make a real significant impact in these last two tests, then I think, um, you know, his position's in serious jeopardy because you've, um, you've got these blokes like Renshaw who are, who, who are fired. So, yeah, look, I, I think this is an enormous challenge for Bancroft. He's, he's really got to show that he's up to it. There's concerns about his technique. Uh, there's no no question that he's a he's a hard, diligent worker and he fits the environment very well. But he's got to deliver with with some runs. It doesn't matter how you get them, you know. Technique only matters if you're not making runs. But he needs a hundred, I think. Yeah, and um, what about the South African team now with Rabada available? He'll play. Uh, were they looking at making any changes apart from perhaps that force change that they won't have to make? Um, I think if Rabada was ruled out, they would have seriously considered two changes. Um, obviously, more cool for him, and then I, I think it would have forced them to perhaps bring in an all-rounder who, who was more of a bowler. Uh, Chris Morris got added to the squad. But with Rabada there, I don't think they'll probably need to do that. I, I'd expect it would be between Tennis, uh, DeBrain, who's already there, and probably um, Temper Bavuma. If he can prove his fitness, I think he would come into serious consideration at six. It'll come down, though, to whether the boomer is fit because he hasn't been for the previous couple of games. But they like his batting, and, and if he can prove his fitness, then he'd be a serious chance, I think. Yeah, Bavuma was quite handy when South Africa came out here last tour. I think he pulled off some miracle run out at the Wacker, changed the game. So um, that'll strengthen them. Yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal fielder. Um, he's about our yeah, height, Ben. It, it, we we yeah, could look, probably look him in the eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I think I might be taller than him, which I can't say very often. But um, he's yeah, he, he's a good player. De, Bru- De Bruyne, um I think he's yeah, ha- hasn't really added anything at, at six. So you know, Bavuma's made a couple of Test hundreds, I think, and and he's quite a tough player. So I think they'd be tempted um, to to back themselves with just four bowlers. Now, how's the body odor uh, amongst the press corps with the water restrictions in Cape Town? But more seriously, you know, what's it like being in a city that's in in the grips of a major crisis? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not sure how I'd describe it, really. I mean, there's signs everywhere um, in your hotel room, at the hotels in particular, in public restrooms like at the airport and, and places like that. You can't actually turn the taps on, they've just got hand sanitizer, so it's very noticeable. I mean, you can't miss the fact that this is going on, but in terms of the overall mood of the city, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm in a hotel, so I'm probably the wrong person to ask, but it hasn't sort of been perhaps that real noticeable desperation that I was anticipating might be the case. So it's a, you know, I think things are on a nice edge here. Um, that They've put the, the day zero sort of doomsday predictions back, um, a month or two, so there is a bit more breathing space. So, look, speaking to local people here, um, the good news is that it seems to have brought people together rather than, um, you know, causing fights on the street and things like that, which people were fearing might happen. It seems like it's had a unifying effect and um, 
you know, they just need some rain. Yeah, let's fingers crossed for that one. So I guess broadly speaking, I'm expecting an absolute humdinger on uh, when the third test begins. What are you expecting? Well, there's no reason to think anything else. I mean, uh, one thing I think is certain is um, if if we get five days of sunshine, uh, we're going to see a result. The, the two bowling attacks are too good to play out a draw, I think. Um, bowling is just the dominant force in this series by a mile. So um, I think it'll be a great end to the series because they'll both be result test matches. Both teams need to find a bit more with the bat. I mean, South Africa's got De Villiers, who's in right form, and Australia need one of their big guns, Smith or, or Warner, to match what, uh, what De Villiers is doing. Well, Ben, thank you so much for your time. Uh, hopefully we can catch up after the test sometime. Thanks, man. It's a cheers, mate. Excellent stuff as always there from Ben Horn, who is in Cape Town. Now, if you want to keep up with all the action from the South African Australia Test Series, you can go to all the News Corp mastheads for up-to-date information. Uh, the dailytelegraph.com.au slash cricket, Courier Mail, Herald Sun, Perth Now or Adelaide Now. All of Ben Horn's stuff will be there when you get up in the morning and you want to catch up on the action. And Pete Lawler is over there for the Australian reporting and you can catch all his stuff on the Australian website and the paper. All right, coming up after the break, we have the new Sydney Thunder head coach, Shane Bond. He's a former New Zealand fast bowler. And to give you an idea of just how good he was when he played test cricket, he took 87 wickets in 18 test matches at the phenomenal strike rate of 38.7 balls per wicket. That is the best record of any modern bowler the best strike rate, better than Rabada, better than anybody who's played in the last hundred years. So coming up after the break is the new Sydney Thunder coach, Shane Bond. Joining me now on the Cricket Unfiltered podcast is the man with the third best strike rate in the history of Test cricket, but the new Sydney Thunder head coach. Congratulations on the job, Shane, and welcome to Sydney. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm really excited, mate. I'm obviously uh, very proud to get the job. Um, really looking forward to being involved with the team and um, hopefully coincide with a, not only success, but the, the fans really enjoying the sort of cricket that we play. Yeah, now you're assistant coach up at the Brisbane Heat. What have you learnt from Brendan McCullum and Dan Vittori and what do you want to bring to the Thunder? Oh, I think what it does do, having been assistant coach in a whole number of different roles, really is give you clarity about the, the things you believe in and the way that you want to uh, bring a culture and a team together. And I think I'm really clear about that. I think the challenge is, or what I'm really looking forward to is getting a really good team behind me because it's not a role you can do on your own. Uh, we know we've got some very good players and if we get everything in place that... I think we can, then, then I think we can have a, a very successful and enjoyable um, coming few years. Yeah, and what sort of things go into making up the culture in a, a Big Bash team or any sort of T20 franchise when players sort of come in for a short period? Oh, the, the players first and foremost. I mean, the game's based around the players. So getting a, a playing group of good people uh, first and foremost, and you, and you need some ability as well. And you, and you need the, the those guys to have a, a, a willingness to want to get better. And I think that's a p- big part of what I want to bring to the table is I want players who want to get better and improve and I think if we get we get that that we, we go a long way to be 
being successful. And I think it's just been planning and organising behind the scenes and making sure that we, we cover off everything and control everything that we possibly can. On top of that, you, mate, you need a little bit of luck, don't you? So you need a little bit of luck, you need you know things to go your way, you need players to stay fit, and you need a player or two in your team to get hot when the season starts. So um, there's a little bit out of your control, but I'm pretty confident I can take care of the rest with the, with the team we've got around me. Excellent. And how involved do you want to be in putting together the squad for next season? Well, there's obviously there's you're inheriting a squad. You, you always do when you come into a role like this. I think for me is wanting to put a team together firstly next year that can be very competitive, and then also thinking long term what does what does the Thunder look like in, in, in three years time. So we know we've got the nucleus of a very good team. I think the team won four games out of ten last year. It's extended season, so the challenge for all squads to add a little bit of depth to that, given the, the higher nature, and often the challenge now with overseas players of having availability for the whole time is going to be tough. So. Look, there's some there's some people who we're we're looking at getting, and if we can recontract some guys who are off contract, then we can put together a competitive team. Thanks for your time and good luck. Thanks, mate. Cheers. In a moment, we're going to get to Joe Burns, who reveals a unique interest outside cricket. But before we do that, I just want to remind all the listeners out there that if you've got a moment, can you please subscribe to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast if you haven't already done so? Can you please rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to the show on? You can find me on Twitter at Amenas, A-M-E-N-N-E-R-S. You can find my weekly cricket column at news.com.au slash cricket or dailytelegraph.com.au slash cricket. And we'll be back in a moment with Joe Burns. Joe Burns just keep playing the way he's been playing. Each ball. He goes. He didn't go for it. It's gone all the way, has it? Yes, it has. What a magic moment for Joe Burns. Australia have found another hero at the top of the order. You're listening to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast, and joining me now is Joe Burns, who is about to play in the Sheffield Shield final for Queensland. You must be pretty pumped to be in the Shield final, Joe. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, obviously, you don't get a chance to play in the final every week, so very excited for the, the week preparation um, going into into the game and just getting out there and getting stuck in. It's been a few years now since Queensland played in the Shield final. So um, all the boys, it's I think it's a new experience for, for most of them. So um, exciting times up in Brisbane. You played in, I think, two Shield finals before. Is that right? Do you know? Do you draw on that sort of experience going into a big game like this? Yeah, I've played in two. Obviously, a fair time ago now. Probably fall back more on my test experience more than anything given that the fact that the game is five days and a little bit more pressure than a normal Shield game. It, you, you speak to a lot of the, the older guys who have played in the Shield finals and they compare it to, to test cricket. So I'll be trying to use all my test experience and trying to um, pass on as much um, advice to the boys as possible over the next few days in preparation. You've been in cracking form with the bat this summer. Despite an injury, you've made 635 runs at just under 60. Are you feeling in pretty good, Nick? Yeah, feeling good. Um, obviously, with the injury, I had a fair um, time out of the game, um, about two months out, really. So, still feeling like I'm, uh, you know, finding my feet a bit again at the crease. So, just trying to get uh, as much volume as possible now. Um, the boys are probably trying to freshen up in this week, getting ready for the final, whereas I'm still in that phase of just trying to get back into it. But 
had a good hit out uh, last week in Wollongong and felt good. Um, didn't feel like the form had gone anywhere, so hopefully it can hang on to that for one more week. Yeah, is it is it just kind of a, a rhythm thing when you sort of get an injury mid midway through a season, sort of just knocks your sort of flow out a little bit? Yeah, I think it can do, um, simply because you, you just spend so much time out of the game. But in saying that, it, I mean, there, there can be some pluses to it. Um, mentally, it really does freshen you up and um, focus your mind and um, get you, you know, really excited to, to get back out there. Um, so whereas the other boys are probably finding grounds eight, nine, ten, a bit of a grind, you're, you're probably at your freshest throughout the entire season at the back end, which is a nice, nice feeling. But I think it just takes some time in the middle for it to, to feel normal again. With any batting, just time at the crease, um, it'll all come back. And I was fortunate enough to, to make 97 in my first innings back. So after about the first 20 runs, it um, started to feel just like at home again. So um, hopefully it's, yeah, like I said, that, that form can carry on for one more week. You mentioned your test experience. You played 13 tests for Australia so far. You opened the batting with Davey Warner for a while there and you were given the nickname The Odd Couple. Why were you given that name? Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I think we're two guys that I don't know, we, we go along quite well. It's, it, I guess it surprised me that I got on with Davey as well as I did and probably surprised him that he got along with me as well as we did. And I'm not sure. We just uh, enjoy each other's company. We spend a lot of time on and off the field together. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where that's come from. Yeah, I saw a bit of back and forth on um, social media. You were sledging him. He was sledging you back. But you had a real... Um, yeah, you, know, you had a really successful period there. You put on four century stands. What is it about you two together that made you a successful opening partnership? Uh, well, I think, first of all, we just clicked off the field. And then on the field, I, I think our games complemented each other quite well. Um, but in saying that, when you're batting with a world-class batter like Davey, it's very easy to bat with, with guys like that. He, he certainly just do- dominates the attack um, and takes it to him and... I guess with someone with the amount of experience he's got, he's great to, to learn the game off as well, whether it's out on the field or talking to him off the field. So, I mean, when I was opening with Dave, I was just trying to absorb as much information as possible and try and, uh, yeah, add, um, add as best I could to the performance of the partnership. Yeah, did he get fired up out there when you were batting with him? Um, I wouldn't say fired up. He gets very focused on um, the task at hand, uh, which is great to, to bat with someone like that. He... Um, Keeps remind you, reminding you of what we're trying to do together. It reminds you of what's important, and he just has a really strong mind. Really, um, like I said, focuses on the tasks that's required of the two of us out there at that time. Now, I want to ask you a bit about your focus. I saw on Instagram that you write different names on the top of your bat handle. So I think I saw Cans and Reggie and Dominique. Yeah. Maybe what do those names mean? Uh, well, I, I go a batch of bats. Obviously, Brendan McCullum. Um, writes horse names on the bat, on the shoulders of his bats, but um, yeah, so that's my immediate family and where they come from. So it's just a gentle reminder um, every time you look down to to see you know the people and the places that are important to you in your life, and um, just to provide that little, little extra motivation. And I guess sort of where where were you, where did you grow up, and who are some of the people that are really important to your career? Well, obviously uh, my family, and then. Cairns comes from the fact that my dad's from far north Queensland. His family's all from Cairns. And then growing up, my mum my, my grew up, a, well, she comes from Coolum, uh, Italy originally, but then I lived at Coolum for a bit. Um, mm. 
So, I mean, it's just the places and the people along along the way that uh, I guess, you know, are important to um, to get you to that point in time. And to seeing those words on your back kind of just snap you, your focus or something? Uh, well, uh, I mean, more than anything, it's used to kind of tell which bat's which uh, okay. when they're just kind of <laughs> that sticking makes sense. around. That um, makes sense. Rather than, yeah, rather than putting numbers or um, symbols or whatever on them. But, yeah, uh, I mean, it is something that, you know, if you're sending it to non-strikers then. I know early in the season, uh, the focus of, we're actually up in Cairns, and I the focus of uh, wanting the bat really well and really long and making a big score because it, it was where my dad's family comes from and having family in the crowd watching, um, knowing how much it meant to them that the game was in Cairns, given that they grew up there. It's kind of a, a lesson to show how strong your mind can be when you have something that's, you know, motivating you and pushing you and, there's nothing better to motivate you than those important to you and you know the places that you come from. Yeah, definitely. Talking about other things that motivate you, when uh, Jim Maxwell tweeted out that your bowling in the BBL was a bit of backyard cricket, I saw you had a, a very light-hearted reaction on Twitter, and I think you saw <laughs> the funny side of it. But did, what, what, how do you react to you know cricket commentators and cricket writers the stuff they say? Um, look, I, I don't mind. I, I enjoy the the cricket commentators. I, I do enjoy the banter of cricket, and I also understand that the cricket commentators have a job to do. So I've always, you know, even when I was playing for Australia, I always enjoyed talking to to the guys off field and talking to them, you know, away from the professional world as well. And getting to know them, they, you know, we always talk about how much the players travel and amount of time away from home. But those guys do the exact same thing um, without, I, I guess, as much of the glamorous side. So it's always a find respect for, for all the, the commentators and the cricket writers and yeah that was a bit of a <laughs> joking around with Jim I'm glad he took it the right way because when I wrote I was a bit worried he might take it as a serious kind of barb at him but I'm glad he saw the funny side you're sticking out an emoji on the end of everything softens it up um, <laughs> do you read stuff about yourself online or do you stay away from that uh, I try and uh, <laughs> try and avoid the, the stuff that says I'm crap um <laughs> I don't see any any point in reading the stuff that tries to tell you how bad a cricketer you are. But look, it's always nice if you if you see some good stuff written about you. But like I said, you try and avoid try and avoid it if it's not so positive. It doesn't really make sense to just read the negative stuff. Yeah, I was doing some research actually for this interview, and I didn't see too much negative stuff online about you, if any, none recently. So you'll be right at the moment if you Google your own name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's talk about Queensland. You've come out after the break and won four of your last five games, stormed in to the final. What's gone well for the team since the BBL break? Uh, I think a couple of things. I think um, we've been really consistent with the teams that we've been able to put out in the park, which means that you know when you have consistent selections and consistent players on the field, you'd like to think that the performances become more consistent from there, and that's certainly something that we've seen in the back half of the year. I think we're preparing really well. Guys are training really specifically for, for game to game, what, what's required, and I guess um, not only the performance side of that, but to, you know the, the experience that you gain from week in, week out, talking about how you need to uh, make subtle adjustments to your game to get the max maximum performance. It's fantastic for a young team. Um, I think most importantly, we've got an attack that um, is bowling the house and consistently taking 20 wickets, which um, you, you need to do in four-day cricket, obviously, but it seriously impacts the way that you play the game um, as a whole. Um, and it certainly helps the batters out knowing that you've got a bowling attack that 
regardless of the situation, the runs on the board is capable of taking 20 wickets and winning you the game. It certainly does take the pressure off the batting to an extent. Obviously, the batters still have a job to do, but I think you know you look at any great team anywhere, they've always had a fantastic bowling attack. Um, there's not too many teams that rely solely on their batting and their fielding. So we're really blessed at Queensland that we've, we've had some great bowlers who have stayed on the park all season. Yeah, so I guess um, Michael Nisa would be one of those bowlers. He's taken, well, almost 40 wickets at about 20. Um, is he someone that really gets to that, sw- that Duke's ball moving around? Yeah, he does. I mean, he can swing any ball, um, but in particular the Dukes. I think I think the Duke just allows him to swing it for longer. So he's a very skilled bowler in that he can do it with any ball, but the characteristics of the Duke means that he's, you know, the, the swing bowling aspect of his bowling is um, more of a threat for longer throughout the innings, which is a huge asset to, to him. He's a fantastic player. And so I think he's, you know, people are um, seeing the best of him over the last year or two. He's someone that you know will turn to heavily in the finals for that impact with the ball. Yeah, and do you, do you enjoy batting against the Duke's ball? Do you feel it improves your game? That sort of extra test. Yeah, I I, I certainly do. I think it's a fantastic ball. I think it. I said right from the beginning that it, it lends itself to better cricket. In that, if you're a good batter, you'll make runs. If you're a good bowler, you'll take wickets. And if you're a good spinner, you'll find a way to have success as well. The, the fact that it stays harder for longer, not only the fact that it swings means that, um, you know, the swing helps the bowlers, but the hardness of the ball helps the batters. So if you have a technique that can um, deal with the swing, you'll reap the rewards. But in saying that, if you're a little bit lapsed in one area of your game, it'll find you out a little bit quicker. And I like that. I, I think um, there's a lot of times in first-class cricket, especially in, more so in the southern states with the cooker ball, where once it stops swinging, basically overs... 10 to 80 can be very mundane. There's a lot of, I guess, easier runs on offer. Mm. Um, so I guess from a batting perspective, I like the fact that guys are always having to work hard to get their runs. And from a fielding and bowling point of view, you're always a chance of getting a wicket if you put the ball in decent areas. Whereas with the cooker, sometimes you can be putting the ball in decent areas for long periods of time, but you just don't get any assistance at all. So I think it, you know, all of that combined means it's better cricket more entertaining for the spectator it's more enjoyable for the players and it's a better reflection of performance guys who who play well will will stand up in their, their you know their performances will show that and, and do you think it's preparing players better for the step up to test cricket yeah i think it certainly does the, the thing that test cricket has is that generally speaking you have a relentless bowling attack coming at you there's you know there's no easy runs in test cricket so I guess from that aspect, the fact that you've got a ball in first-class cricket that will continually do something means that the bowlers are always a threat, um, and that's what it takes at Test cricket. It's you know that it's every single ball of every over that you need to work your ass off. To. And like I said, there's you know sometimes in first-class cricket between overs ten and eighty, it can become quite mundane. Whereas even if that happens in Test cricket, you do have world-class bowlers kind of following at you so it's better I, I, in my opinion it does better prepare you for the step up to test cricket and also the adjusting your game to different conditions around the world um, if you go somewhere where it swings more um, for example in England or um, South Africa or places like that you, you know you're better prepared for the situations you're going to find yourself in. Mm. 
Ed Cowan said when he retired that he felt he got better after his experience at Test cricket. Do you feel that you've got better since you've had that experience? Uh, I, I think it'd be silly. Well, like it, it's hard not to put it that way. Um, I, I think once you, the, the more you play, the more experience you, you pick up along the way, and there's no better experience than playing Test cricket for Australia. And you use all your experiences to continually develop your game and become a better cricketer week in week out. So, like I said, it's you know the, the experience of playing Test cricket is something that you fall back on hugely for for this week in a Shield final. But you know, there's situations all throughout the season that the, the pressure and the situations that you find yourself in in Test cricket are invaluable for for what you're facing in other aspects of your career. Um, I think that's transferable across forms as well. You look at the Big Bash. Um, having the experience of playing in front of big crowds on big stage under pressure leads you for more level head and more focused mind into what's important at that point in time and just how to deal with all those different kind of little situations. Yeah, um, I just wanted to ask you a couple, about a couple of players in your team that so maybe you know listeners don't know that about but have had great seasons. So Manus Lobashain, is that how to pronounce it? Uh, no one knows how to pronounce his name, but Labuschagne, I think. <laughs> so he's had a very consistent season. He's only a young man. Is he someone that you think's really sort of um, maturing as a cricketer? Yeah, I think it always takes time to to find your feet. He's always looked apart for me. He, he he's always. I think you can tell fairly quickly if someone's up to the you know the requirements of, of first class cricket from a technique point of view. And right from the, the first day he was involved, I always thought that. He had what it takes. I think just with that little bit of experience now, he's really putting it all together and we're seeing the, the signs of that with his performances. He's had a great season. I think he's a team's leading run scorer. Um, and for a young person to be to be doing that, it's a great reward. I, I think uh, a lot of people make make the comment about how guys are only averaging 40 and whatnot these days, but you got to remember that guys are also facing pink ball, juke ball, a lot of different grounds, a lot of different situations that... For a young guy to come in and be able to adjust his game like that is a testament to him. Um, and that's the biggest challenge for the young guys, having to, I guess, continually adapt. Um, I remember when I first started, there was 10 cookable games in, and I think five of them were at the Gabba, so it was a lot easier to be consistent because it was a more consistent kind of world that we we're, were playing in. Mm-hmm. So any young guy that can come in and do it now, it's um, a great achievement. How's um, Matty Renshaw going after he copped that knock? The concussion? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's. Um, I think he's all good. I, I think he'll have some tests. We, we haven't seen each other since we've gotten back from Sydney, but I think he'll have some tests this week. But I imagine that he'll be right to play. Um, I think it was. I think by the end of the, the game, he was pretty much there. But, yeah, I imagine that the medical staff will just run a check over it um, over the coming days. Did you have a bit of a laugh when he picked up the keeping gloves and took a return from the outfield and your team got penalised five runs? Have you given him a rule book to study? Uh, well, <laughs> I think we've all been given a rule book. Um, really? So there's been a few times this year where our team's copped a five-run penalty. So What other times? Uh, uh, we had a fake throw incident uh, earlier yep. in the year. Um, yep. And then I think the balls hit the helmet as well, so... Um, our goal has been to give up no more five-run penalties, so hopefully we can get through this final with any penalised runs. Excellent. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time. Before I let you go, I just want to ask you, what are some of your interests away from cricket? Some of my interests away from cricket? Yeah, you know, um, what's it, something the listeners you know, you know, want to know about Joe Burns? 
What do you do? Do you uh, watch TV? Do you are you a video game no, player? Well, yeah, I've, I'm actually starting a uh, starting a surf clothing label, so it's been occupying a bit of my time, especially while I was injured. Something I would look to kind of amp up during the off season. So things like that, uh, I guess, excite me and just keep me occupied. So um, like a, an entrepreneur type. Yeah, so it's basically just like a, a clothing company where you just do some cool prints and whatnot and just meet some cool people along the way. So it's been exciting and good fun. Other than that, I think the modern cricketer is um, pretty time poor, to be honest. The amount of cricket that we play in our schedules, we don't always get a chance to, to have too many interests outside the game. But little things like that, just, uh, you know, if you have a rough day at cricket, you can just switch off and, and think about something else. And it's always a nice, nice thing to have ticking away in the background. Will you have a go at some of the designs or? Yeah, so uh, me and a friend of mine are basically doing it from scratch. Um, so we'll design the shirts and just finding you know, play, ways to market it and, and all that jazz. It's always, uh, I think it's a good learning curve, but just exciting, like I said, to, to meet all the different people along the way that uh, are in that industry. Does your label have a name yet so we can keep an eye out for it? Uh, no, well, we've got some ideas, but probably not to the point where I can really... Reveal anything. Yet, so. We'll wait. We'll keep an eye out for it on your social media. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be pushing it on, on social media anyway, so I'm sure uh, once I can, they'll get the name out there. Well, I have to say, when I asked you about your interest, I didn't expect fashion design to be the, the yeah, thing that know, came back, uh, so it's very yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's a little bit weird, but... Um, no, it's good. Like I said, I think it's more so just the, the industry of meeting people, and any time you do something new, you... Um, it's always a great learning curve. Anything, for that matter, in life, that you know, you just find find out new new things every day. So it's always exciting. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy preparing for the Shield final. Best of luck to you and the Queensland team, and hopefully we can catch up in the future. Yeah, thank you, mate. Anytime. Cheers. Cheers. That's it for the podcast this week. Thanks again for listening and downloading the show. We'll be back next week with a full wrap of the third test in Cape Town. Remember, keep up with it at dailytelegraph.com.au slash cricket. And we'll be back next week with another podcast.